Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, check us out at consumerguide.com. Be sure to check out our best buy picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You will also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles that we drive here at Consumer Guide, plus all sorts of other fun auto-related stuff. And if you've missed an episode or two of the podcast, again, unforgivable. You can stream back episodes of the Car Stuff podcast right there on our homepage. And of course, you can download the show any place that uh, podcasts are found. All right, let's see who is online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and she is the driving force behind the Drive She Said blog. Welcome to the show this week, Jill. Jill Thank you. It's good to be here. Jill. Yes. Jill, we made iTunes top automotive podcast list. We did. That is kind of exciting. It's kind of cool. We're not the last one on the list either. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an important uh, distinction there. We made the list and we're not the last one. I mentioned this in, in with great enthusiasm to our IT guy here at the office, and he asks stoically, where are you on the list? <laughs> I'm like, dude, whatever, whatever. Not last. Not last. No, that, that would be in the middle of the list. We are solidly in the middle of the list. Yeah, we've been doing this for less than a year, and yes. we are on the list. So yeah. I, you can't see it, but I'm doing all sorts of back padding here. All right. He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide. He is president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association. In his free time, he operates a mobile massage therapy truck. Welcome, Damon Bell. Oh, excuse me. I was just finishing up a Tim Hortons donut. (laughs) (laughs) I see he's glossing over the mobile massage thing. (laughs) That is false, as usual. And and rubbing in the Tim Hortons. I didn't know there was such a thing as a mobile massage truck. I would think they would be hard hit by the current pandemic. I think they, well, where's think, your truck? Yeah, I think it's hard. <laughs> uh, I do not have a mobile massage truck. I have in my notes that the business is called Rubs by Damon. <laughs> R-U-B-Z, right? <laughs> yes. That's that's the hip uh, kids, kids, kid hip spelling. Yeah. <laughs> All right. After the first break, we talked to Matt Edmonds of the Tire Rack. If you grew up reading car magazines, you probably spent time pouring over the cool Tire Rack wheel and tire ads. We'll be talking about buying tires online, why you should consider winter tires for your car, and whatever else is on Matt's mind. You don't want to miss this conversation. But first, hey, Damon. Yes. Damon, what is that orange car in our parking lot? Well, I wasn't joking about the the Tim Hortons donuts because I had the good fortune to take a road trip to Ann Arbor, Michigan this week in a uh, Sebring Orange C8 Corvette Coupe. Uh, first crack, finally, to have some real quality time in this car. And, and I believe we've all driven this exact yeah. test vehicle. Uh, I'm going to gloat about the fact that I got to take it on a 500 mile round trip road trip. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, 
and uh and actually i was headed to michigan to drive uh to do a press event uh a socially distanced press event for the all-new 2021 nissan rogue so we'll be talking about that uh next week but yes i finally got some real seat time in the c8 corvette and no surprise it's an amazing car yeah, I drove it home last night. That was my first in-the-car <laughs> experience. I drove it home last night, and then because it was convenient, I drove it back to the office this morning. Um, <laughs> and I didn't—I ha- don't share your 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 breadth of experience, but yeah, it is it is that is an undeniable that is an undeniable landmark. I think in the things that I've test driven. Yeah, it, it, I had yeah. it a couple of weeks ago, and it is. It, it's stunning. And um, I, the number of people who came up to talk to me while I was driving it was pretty interesting. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, mid-engine Corvette, the first mid-engine Corvette, it's an incredibly landmark test vehicle. It, it is. And, and Tom and I were just talking last night as I was handing off the keys to him. And I'm, I just said, hey, savor this because... <laughs> It's it's a big deal, and, and mm-hmm. man, as a as a way to mark time, I've been at Consumer Guide long enough to experience three full generations of the Corvette, Oof. and you know it's always a big deal when a new you know when it C five switches to C six to mm-hmm. C seven and now to C eight, and this C eight, it's the biggest architectural change in mm-hmm. Corvette's history. And that's a, that's a big deal on top of a big deal. So let me just, let me just share with you an observation and you guys can chime in on this. I got into the car and I started driving it and I was not immediately engaged or blown away, but I'm driving it in traffic and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I started playing with the drive modes. And usually I, I find drive modes irritating. I think that a manufacturer should find the perfect setting and that's what the car should be set at. Why am I deciding how a <laughs> car should feel when engineers who make lots of money uh, huh. should be deciding this for me? But in the case of the Corvette, the drive modes uh, make profound differences in how the vehicle mm-hmm. feels. And and the, the difference is, is absolutely worth experiencing. So there's touring mode, which is the regular drive mode, and I think the default mode. And it's fine, but it's not especially engaging. But moving to sport mode changes everything, and the vehicle comes alive. Mm-hmm. And I found myself this morning at the McDonald's drive through going back <laughs> and forth between touring and sport mode because it changes the exhaust note. Yes. <laughs> which is, which is yes. awesome. But the other thing that happens, too, is you drop a gear or two in regular operation, so the engine is riding higher in the rev range. The, the suspension tightens up. The steering tightens up. And it becomes a very aggressive very entertaining, very visceral vehicle. And it's exactly what I'd hope this car would be. Yeah, it's interesting to me that how prominent the, the uh, there's, this is a mid-engine car now, and right. not that Corvette ever had loads of uh, cockpit space, but the, the basic architecture of this car has really changed. And, and in, in experiencing the cabin of this car, you really see their efforts to kind of squeeze as much stuff into a very limited amount of space as possible. One thing mm-hmm. I noticed that the that the HVAC vents were extra slim and had these tiny little tabs that you could grab with your forefinger and thumb to, you know, redirect the airflow. And the other thing I noticed, that drive mode selector, given the very limited amount of real estate that they have in that uh, control panel and cockpit in general, 
they clearly wanted that drive mode selector to be a prominent thing because it's placed kind of front and center with right. a yeah. little padded wrist rest yeah. <laughs> and a metal knob that has yeah. a lot of tension in it. So they clearly, you know, the tactile experience they wanted you to have, that drive mode selector is kind of a key feature. I don't know that I fully enjoy moving into drive by pulling a tab the same way that I open a can of beer. <laughs> Yeah, the push button gear selector. Yes, it's a push pull. Park is a is a push button. Reverse and drive are kind of pull tabs. Yeah, um, and that's something else to mention too. Uh, wow, this is the first Corvette in almost well in a very long time since the fifties to not offer a manual uh, transmission. Yeah, uh, it's an eight speed dual clutch. Uh, automatic and yeah talk about a sea change um but again if you're looking for utmost uh acceleration and performance which is what the corvette's all about the these new transmissions new automatic transmissions have passed manuals in terms of of quickness uh, yeah. and economy so yeah, but still that it's we have to pour we have to pour one out for a manual because <laughs> there i i i kind of don't think it's it's ever coming back to the vet no no and if you look at that console and the way it's laid out there's no place for a stick no. anywhere uh -uh. right exactly you have the the gear selector forward and and it's it rides way too high i don't know how you could put a shifter in there no yeah. well and especially with everything tilted towards the driver the way that it is um, yes. I don't. I don't know if you either of you took the time to sit in the passenger seat, but since you still have it, you should actually do that. Great it idea. is a very discombobulating experience. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are basically the cockpit is kind of cut in half uh -huh. longitudinally by this big, uh, uh, you know, arc that that sweeps down from the dash, and all the climate controls are tiny buttons on top of that ridge. <laughs> That took some getting used to. Oh, it was yeah. cool yeah. that, and our our test car was equipped very well. Uh, it had the two LT preferred equipment package, which is seventy three hundred bucks, but it adds a lot of mm -hmm. uh, high level comfort and convenience stuff, um, and including heated and cooled seats, a heated steering wheel, um, which was nice. But yes, those climate controls, it's like almost two feet long. That yeah. stretch of of thin it's buttons and looking off the road uh, at a glance to see them. Eventually, you're going to know where they are. And, and I noticed there were some depressions, so you could kind of do it by Braille, you know, mm -hmm. over time and not have to look. But yes, very unconventional uh, climate controls. And yes, Jill, like you said, that really does kind of cut off the passenger <laughs> a little bit from, from, you know, an open air feel to the middle of the car. No, also, I mean, it's a little bit claustrophobic, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those especially if you're six six like me. <laughs> yeah, well, and if I'm saying that at four eleven, come on. <laughs> <laughs> those controls are tilted into the driver, as Jill yeah. noted. But a couple of those controls should be accessed by the passenger, including the uh, uh, seat ventilation and seat heat controls. So I don't even know if you could see those from the passenger seat. I think you can. And the passenger side seat controls are far enough down on that ridge that yeah. they're accessible. I did sit in the passenger seat a little uh, and I noted that um, there is a traditional glove box. And mm -hmm. if you try to open it with your knees in the normal position, the glove box 
uh, bumps right into your knees. And so you've got to kind of rearrange. I had to rearrange my legs to access the glove box. Again, this is not a big SUV. This is not a family commuter. This is a mid-engined exotic car. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be some ergonomic uh, uh, challenges there. Yeah. Somehow, some way, uh, Damon managed to negotiate way more time in this car than I got. And uh, <laughs> uh, a scam he pulls all the time. But one of the things I did finally get to do during my very, very, very brief time in the Corvette was to stand on it. And I think we need to talk about this for a moment because it is a Corvette. But not and, stand and this, on the car physically? No. I would. <laughs> we would have to write an apology letter if I did that. Um, <laughs> I meant to floor the vehicle, and I had one chance to do that, and, and it is a a thrilling experience. Mm -hmm. um, you might lament the manual transmission, but that eight-speed is an incredibly good automatic. And mm -hmm. and and from a stop, just floored. This car is rocket ship fast. It is like mm -hmm. coming out of a slingshot, and it it it, it has grip. It goes straight forward. It doesn't. It, it's not much of a challenge to go zero to sixty in almost no time at all. But everything you wanted this Corvette to be in terms of, of straight line performance. <laughs> it is absolutely it's, there. It is mm -hmm. thrilling. Yeah. What what was what was so uh, interesting to me in driving it is the the sensation and experience. I've you know I've driven a few mid-engine exotic cars, not as many as I would have liked, but I've had seat time in a new Acura NSX, uh, a few others as well, uh, an Audi R8, and this is. The, this new C8 is a obviously a true mid-engined exotic, but it is a true American muscle car sounding mm -hmm. V8 engine. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit taken aback because when you have the the feeling of being in a mid-engine car, which is a very different experience even before you start rolling than a than a front-engine sports car, in that you are you know, the cab is forward, you're much lower, there is, uh, you're closer to the front of the vehicle, obviously. And when you're in a vehicle like that, you are, I'm at least kind of primed to hear like a higher pitched uh, European exotic sound. So when you stand on the gas and you are greeted with a muscle car roar, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a total different experience right there. Yeah, and, and about that muscle car roar, you and I have talked about this, Damon. I'm completely done with ridiculous-sounding cackling exhausts that backfire <laughs> and pop. And, and yeah. God love the folks I'm at not. Chevy. Yeah. Oh. God love the folks at Chevy. This doesn't sound like that at all. This sounds like a high-compression V8, and it, it sounds wonderful. It is a low, mean, baritone rumble. It sounds purposeful. It sounds great. It's responsive. And it's actually – I can't believe I'm saying this. It could be louder. Oh, you yeah. think so? Yeah. The the I will say though, again, because I had <clears throat> five hundred uh, miles in the car and Co lots of quality yeah. time with it. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> oh, it you you do. It reminded me a little bit of the Nissan GTR in that oh. that dual clutch transmission and obviously the fact that the engine is behind you, right behind your head. There's basically right. two panes of glass. You've got the sloped uh, hatchback, you know, engine cover uh, slash hatchback for the vehicle itself, which does cover also a small uh, luggage area in the back. And there's also a frunk luggage area in the front. Mm -hmm. um, you've got two pieces of glass there. Uh, but even so, there is more noise from the engine compartment 
than you would be used to hearing from a normal, uh, a previous like front engine Corvette. And some of that is great, you know, uh, muscle car exhaust noise, but some of it is also little, you know, hisses and, and, and clanks here and there. And I think a lot of that is, if you guys have driven a Nissan GTR, there's some kind of clunks and thunks from the transmission every now and again, uh, just in normal driving. So more of that, uh, less, those less passionate noises make their way to the cabin as well. Yeah, because I, 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 I was going to agree with Tom and say that the sound definitely could have been a little bit louder. Um, I, because I live in the city, I always start my cars in my garage with the garage door down. <laughs> and, um, you know, with the windows open, you can hear the sound reverberate and echo. And it's it's amazing. And it's one of those sounds that like literally has like in me, like a laugh that kind of bubbles up. It's gleeful. <laughs> But um, I noticed like driving on the highway or, you know, even like with the accelerations of everything with the windows up, that double pane of glass really protects the quietness of the cabin surprisingly well. Like I didn't mm. hear a, for me. And I mean, it could be like, again, my perspective, because 411 versus what, 66. Um, <laughs> but but I just didn't hear the engine noise transferring into the cabin as much as I expected it to. Yeah. I mean, it's there, it's on, over your shoulder, but I, I thought it was a lot quieter than I thought it would be. My, my first visceral experience and somewhat surprised that I found surprising at least was the sound of the engine behind me, <laughs> which, which I should have seen coming. I mean, I got into the car, walked past the engine to get into the car, but <laughs> I was surprised to hear the rumble behind me. Uh, and, and a thing that I, I both came to to uh, to get used to and love, actually. <laughs> yeah, the to... other thing, the, oh, the, ahead, just Dan. real quick, the other one other thing we should mention uh, with that rear engine layout and the two panes of glass and a sharply sloped uh, outer rear window. As expected, rear visibility, uh, eh, yeah. not so hot. But no. there are the, the the vehicle we had was optioned up with uh, as about about as many uh, camera views as you could get. There's mm -hmm. a even a front pointed camera view and front side, so you don't curb the wheels or that very low uh, yeah. front fascia. <laughs> and then important. it also has uh, a, a Chevrolet GM's rear view camera mirror. So you can flip the switch underneath the mirror and swap the, you know, traditional reflective glass physical mirror to a camera display view. Um, that is helpful. I found it most helpful when kind of backing out of tight spots. Uh, it actually gave me a little bit of a headache when you're looking at it uh, mm -hmm. driving on the road. But again, and of course, a traditional uh, infotainment screen backup camera as well. So again, rear visibility, not great, but there are enough tech aids to, to counteract that, uh, that make it at least a little bit easier. Yeah, and somehow, somehow poor visibility just makes it feel exotic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, our review of the of the new Corvette will be up on our pod or up on our podcast. No, up, up on the <laughs> this blog is our podcast. This is the podcast. That's right. It'll be up on the website fairly soon. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we talk to Ed, uh, Matt Edmonds of the Tire Rack. Stick around. Alexa, play WCPT. 
WCPT from TuneIn. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show where I remind you that you should be following me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore uh, Tom on Twitter. Guys, did you see? Did you see that I saw a tail um, uh, fintail Mercedes and a two eighty Z this week? Yes, in one post. Yes. <laughs> That's the kind of car spotter uh, quality that you get from following me on Twitter. I'm just saying. <laughs> that could get you car unfollowed. expertise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Our guest today is the executive vice president of the Tire Rack, one of the first and one of the best known online wheel and tire retailers. Uh, welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Matt Edmonds. Hey, pleasure to be here. How's everybody doing this today? We're doing good, Matt. Thanks for being here. Hey, are you working from home or are you in the office these days? I am actually in the office. Um, We have a a good portion of our staff uh, since March 12th has been working from home. Um, But uh, there's a few of us that are still here holding the fort down, as they say. So. Now, you you actually, a lot of people have to be on, sorry, because you guys actually warehouse an awful lot of inventory, correct? We do. No, obviously our our warehouse teams uh, across the country at our 10 DCs uh, all have to be in-house. Um, we still have, you know, the building I'm in typically houses about 150 people. Uh, we have 16 of us in the building right now. So hmm. now, now credit that... to uh, our IT department that was able to do that and, and move everybody off site so quickly. Yeah, that's hmm. cool. Now, Matt, as I mentioned offline, um, I'm an old-time car guy, and I've been reading like Road and Track since since the 80s, and there was nothing I loved mm-hmm. more as a youngster than reading uh, the tire rack ads in the back of Road and Track and looking at the wheels and tires <laughs> that you guys had for sale. And my love of BBS alloy wheels is uh, is unprecedented. But for people who don't know, tell us about the tire rack. Sure. Well, the tire rack started as a single location uh, retail store in Indianapolis, uh, on the east side of Indianapolis at 38th and Post, for anybody that's familiar with that. Um, But uh, it was a converted gas station. And uh, from there, Mike Joins, uh, who founded the Tire Rack, along with our father-in-law, Pete Veldman, uh, started to sell tires mail order with the really small one-inch ads in the back of Auto Week in the classified <laughs> section. And, uh, you know, it was really just the fact, the whole premise at that time was that, you know, Mike said to Pete, gosh, these tires are hard to get. They're tires I'm buying with to compete on an SCCA autocross. And, and at that time, it was the Phoenix Stallflex, which was the popular tire, and there were a sum total of six sizes available. Um, he said to Pete, if we inventory 20 of each of those sizes so that when someone calls, I can talk to him on the phone as the expert, I can get them the right size tire, I'll ship them that day. And so no matter where they're at in the country, they'll get those tires in one to five days and then offer them at a fair price. He said, I think we've got something that could really work. And and Pete, being the true um, American entrepreneur as a Dutch immigrant, said said to Mike, let's do it. And um, 
that was the beginning of the tire rack. And really, the premise has not changed uh, uh, to that to this day, except for the fact that we now inventory uh, well over uh, twelve thousand SKUs of tires. So, wow. uh, but the but the same thing, you know, have the expertise uh, on the phone uh, in in our staff that is on the phone and, and also the internet has allowed us to put all that uh, knowledge and information out there so that people can do their own research if they wish that way. I, I think a big change you guys may have gone through over these years is that your, your, your initial appeal was to enthusiasts, but now really you're very consumer oriented. Uh, to, to what extent do you think people are comfortable or understand how easy it is to buy tires online? Well, that's a great question because it's, it is something that for the enthusiast, it was kind of a natural. They were not intimidated by finding a place to have their tires installed. Um, as we grew and started to grow beyond the, the enthusiasts, uh, we set up a network of recommended independent installers across the country uh, that now numbers uh, almost 9,000 of them. Wow. Uh, so, so you as a consumer can go online, you can place your order for whatever tires you would like for your vehicle. Uh, you can use our tools that we have on there. We have a tire decision guide that, that will ask you some very simple questions, very much like our sales team would if they were uh, on the phone with you. And the answers uh, will lead you to a tire that will fulfill your needs and be the right tire for you. And then you can simply select an installer near you uh, and uh, have those tires shipped to them, directly to them, so you never have to touch them and, and can have them installed. And one of the uh, most popular things that we've started uh, and has really taken off here uh, since the COVID has changed everybody's life and they're looking for the optimum and contactless installation is using a mobile installer uh, that oh. uh, that will come directly to your home or to your business and uh, bring the tires with them and install the tires for you right there in your driveway. And Matt, how does that work price-wise? I have shopped online at the Tire Rack, and I'm impressed by a couple of things. And one is how easy it is to use your website. Congrats on that. And then the vast Thank array of, of tire options that you have in any given um, any given size class, but but in terms, your prices are obviously very competitive online. They're, they're great prices, but how does that work once you have them installed? Do people pay you for the installation? Do they pay at the point of installation? And once you've paid for the installation locally, are, do you guys still maintain a, a cost advantage? You, uh, you do pay directly to the installer, uh, the installation, but when you're on our website and you look up the installers, uh, it will tell you right there exactly what they will charge uh, to mount and to balance the tires. And if they have any additional charges for, you know, valve stem replacement or TPMS work or uh, anything along that line, um, but, but you deal directly with them. And, and in the end, you, people find out it, it works out uh, to be very close to, if not uh, the same or, or competitive with the local installer. Um, one of the things that we have a, a true advantage that a lot of people don't realize uh, is when you purchase a tire from us, a uh, set of tires, uh, you get a two-year road hazard protection warranty. Oh. So if you were ever to damage that tire 
um, you know, with a pothole or a nail and it wasn't repairable, um, you know, that tire is replaced at no cost to you. That's really cool. Um, you know, I mean, speaking about the tire rack and like all that you do, um, can you talk about, like I've noticed and have been to, um, your proving grounds. And, and so it's just, mm-hmm. you don't just sell tires. You actually test them. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, you know, from the very beginning, uh, one of the important things for us was to understand the product and to to have really firsthand knowledge of the product and how it performs. And, you know, when our originally our sales team was just on the phone with uh, consumers or enthusiasts, you know, they would often get asked, well, you know, what do you think about this tire? Well, a great way for them to have firsthand knowledge was to drive on those tires. Mm-hmm. And that's uh-huh. where our testing program really started. Uh, so our test drivers are our sales team. Uh, and uh, that's one of the great perks of being a salesperson <laughs> for us is you also get to be a test driver. Um, but that uh, expanded over the years from from just doing, uh, you know, testing in a parking lot that was converted, an old converted parking lot, to now we have a dedicated test track at our facility uh, right here in South Bend, Indiana at our headquarters. And as some people say, it's in the backyard, but we <laughs> beg to differ with them. We put it in our front yard because it's that important to us. So, right. Um, I, I'm actually from my office right now, standing here looking out over it, and and it's not being used for testing at the moment, but it's actually being used by our local uh, law enforcement people to do some oh, some cool. testing of their skills, shall we say? So, but uh, but no, that this track gives us that firsthand knowledge of how the product works, and and uh, not only in the drive, but we have the ability to sprinkle the parking or sprinkle the track and and wet it, and gives us information uh, as far as the wet goes. So yeah, that's and that's that's all great stuff. And the the thing I want to touch on is obviously like enthusiast drivers that have sports cars or, or enthusiast vehicles, they're going to be up on all that, uh, you know, tire technology and stuff. But mm-hmm. we, we, the average consumer, I think, just thinks tires are tires are tires. But that's not the case. I mean, there are there are myriad different types of tires. And, and there are lots of things that are kind of diametrically opposed. If you want a super grippy performance tire, that means that the tread life is going to uh, suffer as a result. Mm-hmm. So just... For average consumers that are looking to outfit their SUV, uh, you know, their daily commuter vehicle with something, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. are some of the what are some of the the me- the metrics by which you measure these? I know there's probably tread life, quietness, wet weather, traction. Just for average everyday consumers, uh, what are some of the the things that uh, you guys are testing with this test track and and the information insight into the different tires that you can provide to them? Sure. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, we always think of enthusiasts. Whenever we say the word performance, people think of, well, that's an enthusiast. That's racing. Right. But when, when we talk about performance as a normal driver, an everyday driver, uh, in performance is the really equates to safety. And so it's how does this tire perform in the wet and in the dry when it comes to stopping? Uh, when it comes to handling, as far as you know, cornering goes, uh, 
Uh, you know, you certainly want a tire that's going to perform well in both of those cases in wet and dry. If you're, you know, driving an SUV or a minivan or a, a sedan or CUV, um, you know, it's very important to, to have performance because that equates to safety. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, there, there's a myriad of choices. And one of the very easiest ways to simplify it for people is we often say, you know, tires are like shoes. And, you know, we change our shoes to do different types of things. Uh, and thus you change tires. But, um, you know, it's, you know, everybody has a different set of things that they evaluate or determine what is the right shoe for them. Uh, obviously, it's got to be the right size, like a tire. Uh, you know, those sorts of things all have to be correct. It has to fit properly. It's got to feel comfortable. Um, but then, you know, how it performs for you and, and making sure you choose the right shoe, um, just like you want to make sure you choose the right shoe for your vehicle. Uh, very, very important. Now, Matt, you guys are, are big advocates of people moving to winter tires, and I had called them snow tires when we spoke earlier, <laughs> and you corrected me. And that's a good point because, yeah, cold weather conditions aren't necessarily just snow. But talk about how, how you guys do that and, and talk about how people should be, uh, you know, we're, we're broadcast out of Chicago. Obviously, people hear us nationwide. Sure. But why should we be considering winter tires? Well, winter tires, uh, again, to use that shoe analogy, uh, you know, we all have that pair of shoes we can wear no matter what the conditions are like outside and we're safe. But when winter gets really bad, it gets really cold and might get icy, you know, we change our shoes to something that's going to give us the ultimate control and the safety. And it's the same thing with your tires. Um, you know, if you think about a vehicle uh, in the best case, uh, you know, vehicle gets manufactured and the manufacturer really doesn't know where in the country that vehicle may exactly get delivered True. and used. And so they put a set of tires on it that will work in all seasons. Um, and they're good in any, in everything, but they're not great in anything. And so it gives you the opportunity. If you live in an area that temperatures typically stay below 45 degrees uh, for long periods of time, uh, or you get, you know, more than just a dusting of snow, you get a substantial snow amount, you could truly benefit from a dedicated set of winter tires. Um, you know, there are some vehicles that actually come original equipment with a set of summer tires on them. Right. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that can be a real eye opener when you have that first cold morning, uh, <laughs> not even a snowy morning, uh, and that rubber doesn't stay pliable anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets hard and brittle and almost plastic-like. So, well, you know, you it's guys, really, oh, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, it, it, you know, speaking about the um, the pliability of tires, like I've I've done some some winter testing with you guys previously, and at one of the mm -hmm. um, testings that I've done, you handed out a um, it's basically a cardboard thing with rubber samples attached to it. And it, it shows mm -hmm. you the difference between summer tires, winter tires, uh, and all season tires. And I literally keep this thing in my freezer. And about this time <laughs> every year, I pull it out and, and I post it on social media. And I'm just like, people, this is why you need winter tires. Because it it's such a, you know, visible, tangible 
experience to because people people don't believe it. They're like, oh, tires are tires. I'm like, no, 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 no. Your tires could be like this. Um, and I think one of the analogies um, one of your guys gave us at one point, it's like, would you wear dress shoes on ice? You know, that's basically yeah. what summer tires are, you know, or would you be wearing like your moon boots with the super grippy um, soles um, so that you don't fall on your butt? And, and that's yeah. what your, your winter tires are. And, and so, um, but yeah, no, I will be, when I'm promoting this show, I will be pulling this um, <laughs> sample sheet out and, and posting it again because, um, you know, it's like people don't get it until they see, you know, what that means. Um, so, I, I mean, well, you're 100% you, right. Yeah, so often, you know, people think of a winter tire and they think, oh, it's got to have this big gnarly tread in it and it's got to dig down through the snow and all that. And really one of the key things, and and, uh, we've shown this also, we've had hockey pucks made out of summer compound, Mm -hmm. winter compound, and then all season compound. And literally, you know, with a squeegee out on the ice rink, Mm -hmm. pushed all three of these at the same time. And, you know, there's no tread on them. So it's just the actual rubber compound on ice. And, you know, you see how, you know, how really that compound makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. So, yes, the tread pattern is very, very important when you have snowy conditions and and to help give you some biting edges, as we like to say, uh, in icy conditions. But really that compound and its ability to stay pliable, as you said, um, makes a tremendous difference in the way that tire can work and really grip the cold pavement. Uh, just, I have, I have one more, I have one more question about, uh, it doesn't take long, uh, looking, poking around your website to see the massive amount of data and, and tests that you guys run in house. I'm just curious. Uh, so I know you've got the in-house uh, track facility, the test uh, proving grounds facility, you must maintain a fleet of vehicles and you must have very busy uh, tire installers running at all times to, to run all those tests. So what are, how, how is your fleet maintained and what vehicles um, are in have, it? Yeah, we're using BMW 4 Series right now. We have four of them that we utilize uh, to do our testing. And then we use Audi Q5s. Uh, right now for our SUV and CUV testing. Um, Wait, and and the you reason we well? No, we don't. run on a test track and BMW 4 Series, <laughs> can't they get paid? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's uh, the, the reason we've chosen those vehicles, and, and this is over the years we've, you know, evaluated other vehicles, different options, uh, is these vehicles will accommodate a large range of wheel sizes and thus tire sizes uh, mm-hmm. so that we can test different sizes. Uh, but more importantly is they stay consistent in their performance. Uh, you know, we don't keep them for more than a couple of years. And we really, what we're doing, the testing we're doing on them is not hard testing on the vehicles. But it's important for the vehicles to stay consistent so that our data stays correct. And and that's the reason that uh, we've utilized these vehicles is they've just uh, really proven to us over the years to be the best. The thing that really supports that, and, and that gives us hard data here, we also have a consumer survey that's been going on for many years 
that uh, gives us billions wow. of miles of data uh, from consumers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really interesting because that really, in combination with our testing, um, you know, is what drives our tire decision guide as well as uh, becomes just a, a great resource for consumers. Uh, if, if they want to, you know, some people want to get in and learn as much as they can about anything before they make that kind of a purchase. Um, and we've got the information for them if they want to. If they don't, um, you know, yeah, we've got the experts that can help them on the phone and help them get select the right tire. As I said, that tire decision guide on the website works fantastic. Sounds good, Matt. We are completely out of time, but people should check you out at TireRack.com. No the, just TireRack.com. Absolutely great website if you're looking for tires, if you want winter tires. And to read, and we, Matt, we didn't talk about this. We need to have you back. The endless consumer reviews that you have on the site are super useful, too. So we'll have to have you back on the, site, on the show sometime soon. Look forward to it. And uh, stay safe and stay healthy, everybody. All right, that was Matt Edmonds with the Tire Rack. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, Jill. Hey, what? You're big on Advogado and Kappazoo. Tell us how the kids can follow you. <laughs> Those are actually two I've never heard of. Um, but yes, I am big on social media. And uh, you can find me uh, pretty much just search for Jill Simonello, um, all one word, J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. Um, and you will find me pretty much everywhere there is social stuff going on, except for those two that I've never heard of that Tom just mentioned. All right. And Damon, you are big on Gather and Keek. Tell us about it. <laughs> uh, not on either of those, but I am on Twitter at Rubs by Damon. Which is the, oh, no, wait. No, it was. That I was doesn't confused. sound good. It's, it's Damon Bell likes cars. Yeah, Damon oh. Bell likes cars on Twitter. Yeah, I was, oh. I was momentarily confused. Just real quick, are you guys aware that to become a licensed massage therapist, it's kind of similar to uh, becoming a pilot and that you need to have so many hours of seat time, such as it, for, such as it is? I did not I, know that. I did know that. Yeah. Don't ask me. So how. find some find find someone that's 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 studying to be a certified or that's training to be a certified masseuse and you could probably get massages for free. They may not be expert massages, but they will be free. Yes. Well, you learn something every day. <laughs> uh huh. All right, kids. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna I'm gonna look and see if rubs rubs by Damon is uh, trademarked. I might want to lock <laughs> that down. <laughs> oh, you might want to paint that on the side of a van. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is quiz time. This is the Car Stuff Power Quiz, and today's topic is more bad car movie puns. Yay. All right, these are movie titles with an auto brand inserted into the name of the movie. No turns this week, but in honor of the presidential debate, I just want you to shout out the answer when you get it. <laughs> is it and the person talk who talks the loudest wins? <laughs> no, because you have to be right. Oh, dang it. Mm. All right. Well, then it's different from the debates, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I hope you guys are ready. Hands on the buzzers. 
In this 1984 coming-of-age classic, Molly Ringwald spends her birthday in a Pretty long... Pretty and pink. No, 16 candles. Well, you didn't get the pun, though. Dang it. Okay, what? Yeah. All right. Can I talk over you? No. In this 1984 coming-of-age classic, Molly Ringwald spends her birthday in a long-hooded luxury brand concept car. V16 can- Cadillac 16 candles. That's <laughs> Damon gets the first point. Yeah, the answer was Cadillac 16 candles. The Cadillac 16 gorgeous Cadillac concept from 2003. Cadillac 16. Didn't they do that again in like 2014 or something like that? I don't think it was called the 16. Eh, all right. But all right. so, I, okay, so I'm missing the point of how you're supposed to be doing this. So you're supposed to say Cadillac. So the name of the car, then the movie. Cadillac no, no, 16 no. Candles? The name is 16 Candles, but the car was the Cadillac 16. So you have to insert the name of the brand into the name of the movie. Got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> now said, I understand. Now I understand okay. the rules. Well, you're down a point now, so you should have clarified earlier. Well, I, w- I think I got it first anyway. I'm going to, right. because, yeah. Okay. In this 1978 Supernatural thriller mm. sequel, William Holden drives his Antichrist nephew around in a 60s American compact car. Oh, repeat that. In this 1978 supernatural thriller sequel, William Holden drives his Antichrist nephew around in a 60s American compact car. I'm like, I don't know the movie or the car. I don't know of a supernatural sequel. The only thing I can think of is like the Omen. Well, you're close. Ooh. All right. The, the correct Nova. answer was... The correct answer was Damien Omen Chevy 2. Oh, come on, Tom. (laughs) Come on. No one gets the point. Uh, Surprise. We all, everybody uh, loses on that one. All right. (laughs) In this 2007 post-apocalyptic thriller, Will Smith cruises around an abandoned Manhattan in a vintage Japanese luxury car. I can't remember that Will Smith movie. Was it called Omega Man or something? No. I think it was I Am Legend, wasn't it? I Am Acura Legend. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I got the movie. Jill, Don't have the I car. I took that one out from under you. you do, I didn't have the car, but I, I knew the movie. <laughs> give, give, it, give her a point for that. Tom. I think it's I get half points two at least one. for getting the movies because yeah. he wouldn't be getting the cars if I didn't get the movie. This is a team effort here. All right, so you're both getting a point for that? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah, two to one. I'm All still right. up, but Jill has a point. All right. In this 2014 action-adventure sci-fi movie, Chris Pratt and a sarcastic raccoon spend time <laughs> together in a large American car. Guardians of the Ford Galaxy. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm going to point out that the spelling's not correct, though, because the Ford Galaxy no. is spelled with an I-E instead of a Y. Yeah, well, spelling and, I would also like to point out that I had a car spotter a couple of weeks ago that was a Ford Galaxy. There you go. All right. The last question. In this, in this 1917 sci-fi action film, giant bugs threaten Earth from the seats of mostly forgotten 90s Japanese SUVs. 1917? 1917? 1997. <laughs> if I said 1917, I, uh, that would be wrong. 
You did, in fact, say 1917. I think this question is automatically disqualified. I don't, I don't think, think they had talkies yet in 1917. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that were there movies. Yeah, I'm like, were there movies? Um, Fine. I will read the question again. In this 1997 sci-fi action film, giant bugs threaten Earth from the seats of mostly forgotten 90s Japanese SUVs. Starship Isuzu Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do a victory lap on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, All no, right. I got I got nothing. I, like I said, I got a couple of the movies. Uh, and basically, Jill got one mercy point. Okay. I think I should have gotten two mercy points. That was, I got that, that was an assist from Jill on that legend one. Sixteen All right, so, candles, I think, uh, was also an assist. I'm just going to put that out there. All right, fine. You get no, one I would have gotten that one without you. Mm. <laughs> Easy to say after the fact. All right, today's bonus question. You can just shout this. Oh no, no, I'll ask you this one both individually. So, Jill, okay. you're first. All right. Um, Jill, legendary loser. alternative rock group Devo is famous for its cover songs. Which of the following is not a song covered by Devo? Uh, Lee, Lee Dorsey's Working in a Coal Mine, The Rolling Stones' Satisfaction, Johnny Rivers' Secret Agent Man, or The Beatles' Birthday? Good grief. Um, I'm going to go with The Beatles' Birthday. All right. Damon? <sighs> Read the third one again. Uh, Johnny Rivers' Secret Agent Man. Oh, man, that is a tough one. I know that, that Mark Mothersbaugh had at least one interaction with John Lennon, uh, which is an interesting story in and of itself. But boy, it's it's one of the last two. Jill said, but just to be, eh, would they have done Secret Agent Man? Uh, I will, I will, just to be different, I will, no, I will agree with Jill. I will agree with Jill. It's a good thing you did because, because <laughs> Devo's Secret Agent Man is so good. It's, yeah, it's, I need to hear it. I have not. I was not aware of that. I need to seek that out. All right. When you get to the office today, we'll do that. <laughs> All right. The score, uh, it doesn't matter. Damon, your <laughs> autographed copy of the quiz is on its way. If it matters, I can't really come up with more of these because there's just so many car names to be found in movie titles. <laughs> and I can't believe Damien Omen Chevy 2 was hard. It seems so easy. That's the that one was your weakest one by far. You can do that with any sequel. You could do that with any sequel. Yeah. Hey, Damon. Yes. What's going on at the CG Daily Drive blog? Uh, we got a great roundup of road test reviews. Uh, a 2020 Volkswagen Jetta SEL Premium. That was uh, a Volkswagen redesigned uh, for. 2019, uh, mostly a carryover this year, but that's the top trim level. Uh, we've got a something of a hot rod uh, family hauler, the Ford <laughs> Edge ST, which is the performance, actually the top line version of the, the Ford Edge line that also happens to be their highest performing uh, model as well. Uh, that's got a 335 horsepower twin turbo 2.7 liter V6 EcoBoost engine. Uh, we've got a, a full road test on that. Kind of a fun uh, family hauler that's got a little bit more spice. Um, and speaking of tires, uh, that this week we had a, a ad gallery that kind of dovetails with that nicely. Tom, you did a bunch of vintage ads with. Uh, where the featured topic was braking. Yes. 
Also, yeah, dovetailing yeah. is the first one is a Corvette on there. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. All sorts of tie-ins. Um, not as not as sexy as you point out, Tom. Not as sexy a topic as like acceleration, but uh, yeah, stopping is important too. And it's interesting to see how uh, manufacturers have promoted their cars' stopping ability over the years. Um, uh, and you you picked this because of the Blues Brothers, I'm sure. We've got a review review flashback of a '74 Dodge Monaco, which of course is the basis for the Blues Mobile. And of course, you managed to put in a picture of the Blues Mobile outside the Joliet prison at the beginning of the Blues Blues Brothers in this article. I don't so know that that's I a, can, it, I don't know <laughs> if I can ever honor that movie sufficiently. It had such a huge impact <laughs> on my life. Better that than say Damien the Omen too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. That would be true. Right. But that yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fun that's a fun post because that we've actually uh, delved into our consumer guide archives and uh, copied the original print review of the '74 Monaco, which is always interesting to look back at. Uh, yeah, what a standard family hauler sedan and station wagon looked like in 1974. Yeah. You know what, kids? We are out of time again. Somehow, somehow we have gone through a full hour of, uh, of the, the iTunes top rated Consumer Guide <laughs> Car Stuff podcast. <laughs> so anyway, special thanks today to our guest, Matt Edmonds of the Tire Rack. Check them out at TireRack.com. Thanks to Jill Simonillo of all sorts of different automotive outlets. Damon Bell, thank you for being here today. Special thanks to Lady B. Uh, and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. I also want to thank my radio mentor, Steve and Johnny. You guys are awesome. Also, if you're listening to this podcast right away, I will be on the radio Monday night talking about the California Electric Car Initiative. Follow me on Twitter to get more details on that. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. Let's talk more about cars again next week.